You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we recap the start of the preseason for the Jets, including Thursday's win in Montreal, plus standouts and letdowns, and a look at the Athletics' intriguing league-wide ranking of Winnipeg. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. Alright, great to finally be back at it this week. Apologies for the delay everybody, but I've been dealing with a little bit of a flu bug for the past week that I'm just kind of slowly getting over now, so... I wasn't able to get out of bed on Tuesday, but we'll head into the weekend in style here by doing a little recap on the games that we missed and and take a look at the hole so far. The first three games on the exhibition slate for the Winnipeg Jets. And and we'll start on a high note at least. After the club's 4-3 win in Montreal Thursday night. And I'll do my best here, no promises, but I'll, I'll try not to pop out my shoulder while I pat myself on the back extremely hard, but did I tell you about Brad Lambert or did I tell you about Brad Lambert? I've been pushing and pushing and saying that there's something special about this cat and he might turn some heads and create some interesting conversations at the very least for the Jets in training camp and preseason. And and what does the kid go out there and do? Barely been on the ice for the past 10 days and then steps up in Montreal and I would say popped off the page more in in one game than anybody else has on this team through three games this entire preseason. I mean, to be honest, the first two games were were pretty lackluster from Winnipeg's side of things. Disappointing, I would say, in terms of nobody really jumping out in a positive manner in a major way, some good performances here and there, but nothing earth-shattering or nobody taking a job, right? But Big Bad Brad put it into that pretty damn quickly with a really, really exciting performance in Quebec yesterday. I mean, it was basically everything you hoped for out of your first-round pick, right? The kid can just fly out there. I mean, how, how many times throughout the game did you hear Dave Poulin marveling at the skating of Lambert and and, and when he gets going it, it's beyond noticeable he really gets going out there I mean that that's probably the first and, and main attribute that you have to look at when you talk about Brad Lambert's game is that he is 
a high-end skater. And, and the Jets, the Jets have themselves a couple here up front, especially with Ehlers and Connor. And it's, I mean, pretty, pretty interesting that they're going to have a third one to the mix sometime soon with Brad Lambert. So the skating's there. On top of that, the skill level with the puck is obviously high-end as well, right? I, that, that jumped out a number of times throughout the game. I, most particularly for me, blowing by a Habs D-man with a nice move in the second period, utilizing his speed there as well, putting the puck through the triangle of the defender. And, you know, if he doesn't kind of bobble it right after that, going in one-on-one with a goalie right after that, it, it's when you can make the moves that he makes with the puck, but then also doing it at a high speed as well. Those are the kind of attributes that can push you up the NHL food chain pretty quickly. And it, it didn't end there. I mean, he was constantly creating chances and, and getting the puck towards the net throughout the night. I mean, I think it was a pretty sneaky play with his skate there, flipping the puck towards the uh, the Jets prospect on Winnipeg's first goal on the night. I might be biased on that, but I, I, I think that was a purposeful move by him. He gets the goal afterwards, ends up with a goal and a helper. I, I don't know how much more you could hope for in his quote-unquote NHL debut for Brad Lambert. And and there's no doubt, I think after that one, that we got to get an extended look at the kid as preseason moves along here. I, I, I would say this, regardless of what happens moving forward, you know, it doesn't have to be for, for multiple games here, but I would absolutely love to see Lambert get a shot with some players higher up the lineup too. Even if it is just for a game. I mean, with all respect to his line mates out there in Montreal, they're pro hockey players. He, he wasn't getting a ton of help out there in terms of high-level offensive playmaking. And I would just love, love, love to see what he could do out there with some some talented line mates. Maybe an Ehlers, maybe a Connor, even a Perfetti for a game or two just to see just to see what could happen out there if he's got some skills surrounding him. I mean, I think that alone could bump up the Lambert hype meter pretty quickly heading into the season here. So, I mean, really, 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 really exciting night on that front for the Jets. And, and look, even though I am the, the self-proclaimed conductor of the Lambert Express, and I will say this, that uh, the seats are filled up pretty quickly here, so if you haven't got one, you better grab a ticket sometime soon. Uh, I, I still do think, realistically, it's it's borderline impossible for the youngster to make the team out of camp. I mean, the AHL is still a, a big, big challenge and, and step up for him at this point in his career. It would still do him a ton of good playing over there. But I, I do like that the conversation does get pushed along another day or two, right? And if we see another performance and then two performances like that, eh, then at least... Things are going to get interesting, right? At least where there's going to be a conversation coming up about, do you give this kid a shot if he keeps lighting it up like this and this team needs some more help up front? It's intriguing. And at a minimum, I guess this is probably the most positive, realistic side of all this. He is setting himself up quite nicely to be maybe the first call-up if there is an injury in the top six. And as an 18, 19-year-old coming out of the draft, you'll take that chance all day long. So, outstanding, outstanding first performance from Big Brad, Brad Lambert. And uh, shout out as well to the Beauty Nate Schmidt for coming up with that one. I can get down with Big Bad Brad for the next dozen or so years, right? 
Um, but there was more than just Brad Lambert, despite the uh, the kid grabbing all the headlines in Montreal there. And, and since we started with a forward, why don't we look at the rest of the group up front so far before we make our way over to the defensemen and the goalies. I mean, like I touched on earlier there, I would say disappointing in terms of just, I mean, look, the first two preseason games in particular, even the third one, I really don't look for a whole lot out of the vets, if anything. It's basically just their chance to, all right, this is what game speed is like. Let's get the hands to catch up. Let's get the feet to catch up. Let's stay healthy. And then in the last two preseason games, that's when we really start to amp things up. So I'm not really going to touch on a whole lot about the the vets that, that have performed so far because I, I I don't think it matters whatsoever what they did out there. Um, but in terms of roster hopefuls or prospects or things like that, to, to me, I I think maybe the most impressive... I mean, there, there's two guys that I think have stood out above the rest. Uh, I, I really like David Gustafson game in, in Montreal. I, I didn't catch all of the game at Edmonton. I, I thought he was fine against the Oilers. But uh, there was a couple plays that that stood out to me where I was pleasantly surprised from Gustafson. I mean, when you look at his game, it is it's very meat and potatoes. It's it's very direct. It's it's very simple, right? Like he's never going to be a 50, 60 point guy at the NHL level. I, I don't think David Gustafson is going to be even a second line center. Not, nothing wrong with that. I, I think I think he can fill a really nice role. For the next several years here in Winnipeg as a, a, a third slash fourth line center, but at the very least, I I saw some some nice offensive chops from him for the first time at the NHL level. There were some nice plays that he made with the puck, you know, curling with it down low in the offensive zone, and not necessarily just looking to you know shuttle it right back up to the point and head back to the net and hope for a greasy one, but actually looking to make a play out there. And there were a few times I thought. He was able to find a seam inside the offensive zone and make a nice pass. So I was pretty impressed with Gus there. And I I would I would go as far to say that he is a lock to make this team. I don't know how outlandish of a statement that is. But I, I do think maybe there might be a little more offense in his game than I might have penciled him in for heading into this season. I don't know what what a what a good point total for him this year might be, but I, I don't think I think it would be a disservice to to look at David Gustafson and say you know what that's a shutdown centerman who's not going to chip in a whole lot offensively but he'll do the right things defensively I, I think with time and, and maybe even this year uh, we could see the kid make a play or two and provide a little bit of an offensive punch on that fourth line there so I I think early returns through training camp and preseason have been pretty positive on David Gustafson and I like the way he performed in Montreal. Um, I, I I would say the big one so far, and, and certainly the biggest surprise, because I don't know how many, if, if any of us knew this name before camp started, but Saku Menelainen, when you have to look up how to pronounce a guy's name, that's when you know you, you've made a bit of an impression, a, a positive one, right? But but the, the guy has, has certainly, at the very least, put himself on the radar to make the team. And it's it's really not all that hard for him to stand out during the game because he's a, what six three six four, it can he, he can move pretty damn good for a big guy. But he's he's a little bit more than just being a big dude that can skate out there. I mean, he's he, he what I like is he looks like a pro player, right? Like he's he's a big dude with a good powerful stride. He knows where to be out there. 
He's had some experience with a really good team as well, a team that I think a lot of us would like the Jets to emulate stylistically in the Carolina Hurricanes. And if you're good enough for Carolina, you're good enough here in Winnipeg. Um, but I, I think, especially when you look at some of the hopefuls on the fourth line here, you know, Toninato is, as far as fourth liners go, solid if not unspectacular. You know, Sam Gagne, I, I haven't been all that impressed with Sam Gagne, to be honest with you. I, you know, that that's... That's where this battle gets kind of intriguing for me is that, you know, handing a PTO or whatever the contract was to Gagne, a lot of people essentially assume that he would be this club's option on the fourth line to start the year. I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case anymore. I, I think we have a legitimate battle on our hands. And with the way that Menelainen plays, he can be physical with his size, but I think there's some skill there as well, and he shoots the puck pretty well. I I would be I would be busting my ass a little more if I was Sam Gong. I'd be a little bit worried about the way Metalinen's played so far. It's it sets up for at, at least an intriguing battle as camp progresses here. I didn't know if we were going to get a whole lot of those, especially up front, but um, there there certainly is going to be some conversations here, and it'll be very very intriguing to see you know, who David Gustafson lines up with next game. Because at some point here with the game started to wind down, you want to get a sense of who's going to be on your roster for opening night. And if we do get, for example, a Gus Menelainen, Tononato, or Morgan Barron fourth line there, might point to a certain, uh, at least Rick Bonus might be tipping his hand a little bit about how he best envisions this fourth line to look this year. So those were the positives certainly so far. Lambert's performance in Montreal, Gus, really his two games so far for the Jets, and then Menelainen so far, who is, I, I think, certainly going to get at least two more games in before the exhibition slate begins to come to an end there. Having said all that, though, positively, the one thing that, that stands out maybe even more so for me than heading into the year, maybe actually seeing it out there on the ice, is that the Winnipeg Jets pretty... Pretty badly still need a bottom six forward. I mean, preferably a third line forward, right? I, I I just, I don't know how much you can expect and lean on production with that bottom six right now with the guys that you have in the fold. I, I think I think there's potentially more to Gutsofsen from what I've seen so far. Is that enough? I don't know. The same goes with a guy like Menelainen. But even watching Harkins and Appleton so far in preseason, I've been a little underwhelmed with their performances here. And you do wonder, are they going to be able to chip in with 25, 30 points on the third line? You know what I mean? I just don't know if that's there. I would, I guess what it comes down to is we would all feel a lot more comfortable if there was a new name brought in that you know you can depend on on that third line, right? Like if it was Lowry, Appleton, and solid 30-year-old vet that put up 30-ish points last year, it would make this forward group look a little bit more imposing. And I, I still think that's going to be the main goal for Chevy as cuts start to happen and the trade market starts to heat up right before the regular season gets underway. Uh, but that's been the forward group so far. We'll get to the back end, the goaltending, as well as the article in The Athletic on where the Winnipeg Jets analytically stack up with the rest of the league heading into the regular season. We'll get to all that in just a sec. But before we do that, I do want to give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. NFL action in full swing. NHL right on tap. 
and some big deals for you guys to take advantage of. Stepped up same game parlays give you the opportunity to boost your winnings every Sunday. In fact, you can boost them up to 100%. So with payouts that big, why bet on football anywhere else? Especially when you got a Hockey Podcast Network exclusive deal that you can take advantage of right now. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for more details. Also, got to give a quick shout out to our friends over at Raycon with the best earbuds in the biz. If you're popping in an episode of Skates and Plates or listening to David Blaine on Hot Ones, which if you're a Hot Ones fanatic like me, might immediately launch itself into the Mount Rushmore of episodes. Whatever you're listening to, do it with your Raycon wireless earbuds, which look, feel, and sound better than ever. Eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life, noise isolation, awareness mode, customizable profiles. It's all there to make your listening experience absolutely elite. Go to buyraycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's buyraycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com slash THPN. All right. Forwards ran through those. Let's get to the blue liners now. And this to me is probably, and I think a lot of us would agree on this, probably been the most disappointing group so far through training camp maybe it's because I, I you know speaking on on my side I was just really really hoping we'd see one of the youngsters step up make their presence known maybe have a dominant performance or two and basically say to the coaching staff there's an NHL job here it's mine and there's nothing you can do about it maybe that's where the disappointment stems from is that Nobody so far has set themselves apart from the pack and really went out there and grabbed this opportunity and run with it. I I think, you know, to be honest, I I think it would be kind to say that the performances from specifically Sandberg, Hainala, Stanley, Kovacevic have been anything other than ordinary, right? I mean... I, I it's 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 really tough to give somebody an edge in all this because I I think all of these players have a lot more to give and I do wonder if you know especially with with guys like Sandberg, Hainala and Stanley if they're maybe pushing it a little bit like if they're just trying too hard to make a play out there and and sometimes when you do that you just you you, you forget what makes you successful and when you try too hard and when you push matters things can kind of you know, domino effect fall on you in a negative manner. And I do wonder if we're seeing that take place a little bit. But, yeah, I guess that's just what it is. Nobody's gone out there and, and, and grabbed the job so far. Um, if I had to handicap it, I, I would probably say that Dylan Sandberg still has the inside edge for one of the six spots at the very least in the starting lineup for the club this season. And And to be honest, that's mostly predicated on the fact that he was 
really good given a shot last year in the regular season. I, I think he's been kind of shaky so far, this this exhibition slate. I mean, the the first goal for Montreal tries to make an aggressive play at the blue line there. It, it, it ends up in a disaster with his stick, etc. Can't get back into the play. All that happens. He, he's been, I mean, there's been... There's been moments of solid play from him, but I, I just think there's a lot more that Dylan Sandberg can do. And it's been a bit of a rough start for him through two games so far. But I'll kind of lean on the fact that, you know, a year ago, he stepped in, played top four minutes, and didn't look out of place at all. And and that's something that can't be said of the other young defensemen in, the, in this organization. So I, I would still... Not even lean. I, I would still definitely put Sandberg in the driver's seat to grab that spot. It would just be a little more reassuring if he went out there and, and had a really good performance in his next game. Um, Billy Handel is an interesting one so far. I he's just it's it's tough to get a read on him because his highs have been much higher than any of the other youngsters on the blue line. That I would I would definitely say that for them. I wouldn't go as far to say that his lows have been lower than anybody else, but there have been too many peaks and valleys for me. I I, I think that's probably where I would put it at. You'd like to see maybe a little more consistency in his game, especially in his own half of the ice. You know, I'm still not in love with his decision-making under pressure inside his own end. Um, Defensively, he's never going to be a stalwart, but his defensive coverage has been a little bit lackluster. You had the two-on-one give it up in the team's second preseason game uh, against Ottawa. You know, sure, there wasn't a defense or a forward covering for his pinch inside the offensive zone, but there was no real need for him to be that low in the corner when the play was on the other side of the ice as well. Like, there, there's certain decision-making processes that have been a little bit questionable on Hanela's side of things. But having said that, he, he jumped off the page in a big, big way in Montreal inside the offensive zone. I mean, he is he is a hell of a talent when the puck is in the fun zone. There's, there's just no doubt about that. And I think he'd be I think he'd be a decent weapon on the second power play as well for Winnipeg. It would certainly be a a battle between Pionk, Hanela, and Schmidt if it did play out that way for the second power play, but but the kid knows how to move the puck in the offensive zone. Like there's, there's no doubt about that. That that's his ultimate skill set, and that's going to be where he helps this team the most. It's going to be, can he mitigate some of his weaknesses at the other end enough to get him a regular starting spot in the lineup? I'm still on the fence with that, to be honest. And I think for me, if it's between Sandberg and Hanela, you know, you're not going to get as much offense with Sandberg. But I like the rest of his game more at this point than what Vili Hainala has had to offer so far. But at the very least, we've seen what makes Hainala such a tantalizing prospect. At least we've seen that part of his game stand out a little bit. Specifically, I think Montreal was certainly his best performance so far this preseason. He can't say the same about Logan Stanley, unfortunately. I mean, the the big guy is just struggling out there right now. And again, I don't know if he's, he's trying to do too much. He's, he's probably dealing for, for the first time in a few years with the pressure of potentially losing a job at the NHL level, being on waivers, all, all that. that. That's that's part of the gig, though. He, he just he has not looked comfortable out there for, for really more, more than a handful of shifts in, in his two games so far. And his decision-making inside his own zone 
and when pressure is put on him has has just been not not good enough. It, it's got to be quicker. It's got to be crisper. He, he's just he, it looks like he's struggling with the pace of play, and it's you know it's exhibition. It's not even we're not even at the regular season. We're not even at the point where it's regular season lineups in exhibition, right? Like there's a lot of youngsters out there right now, and and Stanley is just he he's struggling to keep up right now, and. I mean, he was a great story two seasons ago. That there's no doubt about that. I think a lot of us were hopeful that he'd be able to be, at the very least, a third pair regular for this team and a guy that kills penalties, all that. But at this point, I I don't know. I think he's put himself pretty down far the pecking order, and really the only thing that I think could potentially salvage his spot with the Jets is that Vili Hanela. Doesn't have to go through waivers, and if he's not one of the top six, the Jets might opt to just plop him down in the minors and keep him there until an injury or a trade happens. But not a promising start for the big guy in Logan Stanley so far in the preseason. Um, Unfortunately, we kind of have to keep going down the negative side of things because we'll wrap things up with a goaltending. I mean, Connor Hellebuck was Connor Hellebuck in his lone appearance so far against Ottawa. He was brilliant. Wouldn't expect anything less. That's going to be great. The negative side of that is he might have to do that for 70 games this year. And (laughs) I say that because, you know, again, caveat to preseason games in, still some time, all that. But we might have ourselves a pretty, pretty big Dave Riddich problem on our hands here. Uh, the guy has just fought the puck so far through his two appearances so far, and I pretty much have no confidence that he's going to be able to turn it around once the regular season gets underway. Might be unfair, but I, I know a little bit about goalies growing up with them, and it's it just it feels it feels a lot different to me than even Eric Comrie in the preseason last year, and and going back to Laurent Brassois. A few seasons ago as well with his tenure here in Winnipeg. It, it just it feels like a goalie that's going out there hoping the puck hits him as opposed to going out there and stopping it, right? Like it's it's a it's a confidence issue at one point, but then you look back at his past few seasons in the NHL and you just wonder if if he's ever gonna recapture that form that he had in Calgary that that one special year where, where Big Save Dave became a thing. I, I'm just I'm not I'm not overly confident at this point, and I do wonder how how tied Chevy is to Big Save Dave in, in terms of do you go out there on the waiver wire market and, and try to find a different backup goalie? There's always a handful that get put on waivers each year by a, by a number of teams. That might be a route that I think you have to give serious consideration to. I mean, I don't think... Look, Ar- Arvid Holm has, has been pretty untested in North America, but I will say Holmes looked a lot more impressive to me than Dave Riddich has so far. I'd, I, It might be a stretch to say you lean towards him with the backup spot, but I, I mean, I'm just concerned with the level of play from Riddich right now, and I don't know if he's going to turn it around, and if that's the case, do you maybe give Holm a try? Because he looks like... Everything you want in a goalie. He's, he's big. He moves pretty well out there. I, I, I thought he made some some pretty impressive saves against Montreal. That That's maybe been the, the lone positive so far is that Ole might be a little bit more impressive than we might have hoped in his, in his early stint over here on this side of the pond. But 
I'm pretty pretty worried right now that we're going to see Connor Hellebuck have to shoulder a heavy heavy workload once again. I, I just I don't want I don't want it to catch up to Helly, right? Like it's it's been 65 games for a few years now. I would like that number to creep down a little bit closer to 60, but at the same time, with how he's played so far, I can totally understand Rick Bonus maybe wanting to lean towards Connor Hellebuck if if Dave Riddish keeps playing the way he has so far through two preseason games. But hopefully he can find a way to turn it around and continue the trend of backup goalies rebounding once they get here to Winnipeg. But that's pretty much it through the first three preseason games here. We'll see as the the matchups move along. I think the intriguing part is going to be the lineups. We'll we'll see the, the roster trimmed, everything like that. But who's going to be with Adam Lowry? Who's going to be with David Gustafson. That's what I'm looking for up front. And and really, it's going to come down to, do we see Dylan Sandberg out there with Anil Pionk in the next game? Do we see Hanela out there once again with Brendan Dillon or Nate Schmidt? Where does he factor into all this? That's going to be the real intriguing spot once Rick Bonus starts to lean towards the D pairs he wants to go into the season with. You know, at some point here, it's not going to be vet with a youngster. We'll see vets with vets. That's going to give us an idea on what the pecking order might be in terms of how the Jets might line up for game one of the regular season. Speaking of the regular season, it is, if you, I mean, look, if you don't have a a subscription to The Athletic at this point, you need to get on it. I think it's mandatory for any sports fan. Um, But one of the rites of passage for me heading into the regular season every year in the NHL is Don LeShizian's Athletic preseason ranking of every team in the NHL. Essentially a prediction of where each club might finish. A projection is maybe the best term there of how many points the team might end up with as well as what their playoff percentage is heading into the season. And it got started about a week, week and a half ago. We start with the worst of the worst and then work our way to the team projected to have the highest point total for the upcoming season. And I was very, very intrigued to see, I guess, you know, I did my rankings. How did they match up to somebody that does this more so for a living and puts their money and reputation on the line to do so? (laughs) And maybe unsurprisingly, the bottom 10 actually played out the same way that I had my bottom 10. A few misses here and there, but the bottom 10 teams were the same in both of our rankings. It was really once we got into the low 20s where the conversation would get a little bit interesting. Now, context sake, I had the Winnipeg Jets as the 19th best team heading into the NHL for this upcoming season. According to the numbers, the Winnipeg Jets, and this might shock you or not, I don't know. But according to the Athletic and Don LeShizian, The Winnipeg Jets come into the season with the 22nd best roster and a playoff percentage of only 31%, a projected point total of 88.3. Not a very optimistic outlook on the club's fortunes heading into the year, no doubt about that. The main difference between my rankings and the Athletics rankings is Jets at 22 for them, 19 for me. Uh, The teams that they had ahead of Winnipeg as opposed to mine, Ottawa, 
the Islanders, and the Dallas Stars as well. The Dallas Stars, surprisingly, are up to 13th in the Athletics predictions. I had them all the way down at, let me see here, in the 20s, at, at 22. That, that's the biggest disparity so far between between our rankings there. I'm, I'm not super high on Dallas. I think I, I do like Winnipeg's roster better than what Dallas has so far. But just interesting to see that Bottom 10, so far so good, but maybe the first couple of disagreements there happen in the Central Division between uh, the Winnipeg Jets and the Dallas Stars. But I I do wonder, and and just reading through the article here, I I mean, it does make a pretty compelling case as to why the Winnipeg Jets are essentially 70% likely to miss the postseason this year. And to, to sum it all up, I, I won't, you know, read it word for word or anything like that. You should go ahead and read it. It's, it's tremendous stuff, whether you agree or disagree with it, just to get maybe more of an unbiased perspective on the team. But essentially what it boils down to is that the bottom six is one of the five worst in the entire NHL. The top six isn't as fearsome as it used to be, and there's some serious defensive concerns there. And Connor Hellebuck, while a superstar and actually predicted to be the most valuable goalie in the NHL this season by the Athletics, I mean that that's yay, that's kind of cool. <laughs> but but even Connor Hellebuck at his absolute peak might not be enough to drag a talented but flawed forward group with a defensive group that really doesn't have a whole lot to sing home about outside of Josh Morrissey's glow up last year into a legitimate top pair defenseman. That that's that's the athletics point of view in all of this. And look, I I, I think there's a lot of basis to that. It's it's why I had the Jets at 19 to be honest. I I think they're better than than the Ottawa Senators and, and some of the other teams that are ahead of them there. But that's going to be the main issue here is and that it, really a lot of this falls on Rick Bonus himself. Kind of unfairly in my opinion, but can he instill structure and command enough change defensively to mask some of these issues and push this group into, at the very least, a bubble spot or one of the wildcard spots or a divisional spot, right? Like that, a lot of this really depends on, on Rick Bonus squeezing the most he can out of this roster. But what, what does scare me a little bit is, you know, the things that I, you know, I think Rick Bonus or any coach out there really can't do and and look Rick Bonus can't get more production out of the bottom six if they're just not capable of it you know what I mean Bones can't force David Riddich to make more saves as the backup goalie right like there's certain things that are out of coaches controls here and and really what it boils down to for me looking at this and and why the numbers are where they are is just that the Jets need a lot more things to go right for them to make the playoffs than a lot of other teams ahead of them on this list, right? It's not impossible. It's it's slightly improbable, right? Like that. I mean, there's still even in these projections here, right? Like there's still a what a ten percent chance that the Jets finish with above a hundred points this year. You know what I mean? Like there there's scenarios for sure where where the Jets put it all together and they find a way to potentially battle for a home playoff date. It's just that list of things is is so long and, and a lot of them all happening at the same time seem a little bit unlikely here. Again, we'll do our final predictions for the regular season 
once we get a little bit closer to the start of game one, um, there there's still moves to be made. There's still injuries that are going to happen league-wide, everything like that. Um, it is a little bit of a sobering reminder, though, that when you look at a perspective from somebody that's outside the city, that doesn't bleed blue, red, and white, and you know maybe might not look at things through blue-tinted glasses, it's always intriguing to me when somebody outside the market tries to take an objective look at the team and comes to the conclusion that, you know what, the window might have finally officially slammed shut here and maybe it's time to take a peek towards the future as opposed to trying to contend for this upcoming season. But hopefully it's proven wrong here and hopefully we have a much more enjoyable campaign in Winnipeg this year. Just thought it would be interesting to bring that to your guys' attention. Would love to get your thoughts on that, by the way on the projection from the Athletic for the Jets to finish closer to the bottom 10 than they do to a playoff spot. Uh, let me know on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. But that's going to do it for us here today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to another episode of Skates and Plates. We'll get back at it to kick off the week. I will not be sick. I was going to say I promise. I don't want to put that voodoo on me but I, I I'm fairly confident that I'm gonna get back at it on Tuesday now that I'm fully on the mend here and when we do we'll break down only one preseason game for the Winnipeg Jets that'll go Saturday night against the Edmonton Oilers and then we'll take a look ahead to a Wednesday night showdown at home against the Calgary Flames with only a few more preseason games to break down we're getting closer and closer to the fun time of the regular season here. So we'll get to all that uh, when we get back at it next week. Until then, though, once again, thanks for listening to Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki, back at a Tuesday morning. Until then, have a safe, happy, healthy weekend. Peace.